This week's parsha is parsha Vayishlach. This is the parsha that we're able to discern the differences between Yaakov and Esav. And in fact, the uh, Ramban brings at the beginning of the parsha that when the Gedele Yisrael, when the great Askanim that were trying to um, deal with the Gaiisha governments of Rome, when they wanted to get some inspiration and some counsel as to how to deal best with the situation that they were up against, they would consult this parsha. The parsha of the encounter between Yaakov and Esav was very instructive to be able to set the guidelines and the, the way that Yaakov has to deal with Esav in Golis. And there are many lessons to be drawn from this parsha as we go through the psukim one by one and see exactly the way that Yaakov Avinu was dealing with Esau, the way he spoke to Esau, the way he sent him gifts, the way he uh, dealt with him. But there's one pasuk that I'd like to focus on this morning, and that's a pasuk towards the end of this encounter between Yaakov and Esau. So Yaakov is about to take leave of Esau, and Esau, acting very nicely to Yaakov, tries to persuade him to go on the same path together. Let's not split up, we're brothers, let's go and uh, I'll escort you, my army and your family will go all together uh, on, the, on the road, why do we have to part ways now? And Yaakov was desperately trying to keep away from Esau. This was an encounter he had to have and it went very well, but at the point that everything that was accomplished was accomplished, Yaakovina was very diplomatically trying to part ways from Esau. And the way he did it was by saying, Vani iti, that I have to be led li'iti, at my own pace, at a slower pace. I don't go as fast as you do. Because of the work that I do, and because of the children, the delicate, young, tender children that are in my camp, I can't walk as fast as your armies. Your armies are going at a steady pace, quickly and robustly. I can't operate that quickly. I have to take it slow. I take, it, I take things slow. My malacha I take slow, and the family I take slow. These are things that I do differently than you. We'll meet up. But right now we can't walk together. We'll meet up in Seira. That was the land of Esau, Harseir. But right now, I go at my pace, you go at your pace, and it's not going to work out. We're not going to be able to go and travel together. This road trip is not going to work out because we travel in different ways and different, at different paces with different priorities. And because of that, uh, we're going to have to separate our ways right now. And I think that this Pasuk is another layer of understanding in terms of how we have to be different than, than Esau. Yaakov Avinu, Klal Yisrael, is inherently different from Esau in many, many ways. And it's very important for us to understand those ways because, especially when we're in Galus, and this is such a wonderful Galus to be in, but that is itself the greatest danger that we have. I just got a new uh, biography. I was at the Chaim Berlin dinner uh, on Sunday night, and they gave out to all the people that came to the dinner a, a new art scroll biography of Reb Chaim Siegel. Reb Chaim Siegel was a very um, famous, accomplished mechanic in America, and there's a whole book that's written about, about his life and his... Um, his educational brilliance and how he trained so many um, high school Bachram in America. And it says in that book that when he was charged by Rabitzla Kutner, the Rashiva, 
to take this position as, as the Manal of Chaim Berlin Element High School. So he went to Rav Hutner and he said, and he was a very close Talmud of Rav Hutner. he was Machnia himself, he, he completely was subservient to Rav Hutner, who was the Rosh Hashiva, in, his, in terms of how to guide the high school, even though Rav Hutner gave him great autonomy in terms of the way that he would uh, you know, be Machanich, the, the high school Bachram, but yet he deferred constantly to Rav Hutner. And he asked Rav Hutner, as a generality, what is the main thing that I should be focusing on? It's your yeshiva, and I can't do everything. I have to focus on one thing. How would you describe my main task ahead when raising Talmidim here in America? What would you describe as my main task? And Rav Hutner said that the most important thing that you could do is teach the Bachrim, teach the Talmidim how to differentiate themselves from the Gayim around them. Because it's a very challenging thing. In Europe, there wasn't that necessity. Because in Europe, there was a a very clear line of demarcation between a Yid and a Gay. The Gayim didn't let the... Even if the Jew wanted to be like the Gay, the Gay very often would not even consider it, even for a moment. The anti-Semitism was rampant and the, and the hatred was rampant and the differences in terms of dress and in terms of conduct and in terms of community was so different. There were ghettos around the Jew. It wasn't possible. Even if you'd want to be close to Esau, it wasn't possible. But in America, look at our society and look at how interwoven we are um, into the society that we, that we find ourselves and uh, we work together with the Gayim. We dress very similar to the Gayim. Um, we're friendly with the Gayim. We live alongside Gayim. And we have White House Hanukkah parties. And uh, there, there's, you know, we have a, a great amount of, uh, of, of power, if you will, in, in America. And the lines of demarcation between a Yid and a Gay are very, very blurred. And Rav Hutner felt that this was very important for us to understand Dafka here in America, how we're different than a guy. I, I, I would, you know, be curious if we would take a, you know, a, um, like a questionnaire and give it to every guy in yeshiva and, and, and ask, how do you consider yourself different than somebody that's not Jewish? What would we say? How would we, how, how do we consider? We, we basically eat the same foods. We wear the same clothes, we watch the same sports, we, we, we go for the same professions, we take the same tests, we're studying the same literature. So exactly what makes us different? That we wear tzitzis and they don't. Like what exactly is the, is the chilek between a Jew and a guy? It's a hard question to answer, unfortunately, in America. And so when we learn these parshias of Yaakov and Esau, we have to take, take our cues from this parsha and see from these little diyukim and psukim, exactly what the answer to this question is. How are we different than Gayim? I know that we're, we were given the Torah, we have a whole set of laws that the Gayim don't have, but how, how intrinsically are we different? How do we operate different, or how are we supposed to operate different than a Gayim? And I think in this Pasuk that we quoted, I think we see a very, very telling difference that Yaakov Avinu is saying to Esau, that describes in one Pasuk really the entire M.O., the modus operandi of a Yid versus that of a guy. And of course, this is not generalizing. We can't say that every guy is the way that I'm going to describe a guy and every Yid is the way I'm describing it. But in, a, in, in, a, in very black and white concepts, this is the way it is. Just Agavorcha, another Bart that I just thought of from a Vutner, is that, you know, we know that there are many characters in, in Chumash, in Tanakh, that we consider to be Rishayim, but like probably if they were alive today, if we would see them, we'd be quite surprised at what they look like. You know, Esau, as much as he was, uh, as we brand him as a, as a real Russia, and in certain ways he was, but at the same time, he learned by, uh, by Yitzchak, he saw Avram, like, it, it, it's very hard to say that he was a real, you know, villain. But that's the way we make it. And, and so they asked Rav Putner, like, when we're teaching it, should we, 
should we say it so black and white, or maybe we should like sort of make him a little bit more friendly, warm and fuzzy in terms of because well, nicely he's probably a big time chacham. He was uh, he's probably had a lot of positive features as well. And Rafutner said, no, you have to when you're drawing the caricature of a, of an Asav, you have to contrast him as starkly as you can against Yaakov. Yaakov is the tzaddik, is the Ishtam Yeshim Alam, and Esav is the Isha Deitzaid, Isadi, who is the hunter. Even if he may have been, you know, had a beard and a strimal, that's still, that's not important. In terms of the lessons that we're supposed to take from these parshas, we're supposed to make things very clear to ourselves, to our Talmidim, because that's the way that we will understand the real differences between the two. So here comes Yaakov, and he's saying to Esau very clearly why we can't travel together on the journey of life. Because we operate differently. I go at a slower pace than you do. I don't act as quickly and as rashly as you do. I'm a, I'm a slower, more methodical, more conceptual thinker and, 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 and actor than you are. And what Yaakov Vino, I believe, is really saying to Esav is that Esav is an Isha Deyatsayid. Esav is a person who acts very quickly, makes very rash decisions. We find it at the beginning of uh, last week's parish, I believe it was, um, when he sells the Bechaira to, to Yaakov. The whole Bechaira was he was willing to give away because he was hungry. He wanted that bowl of cholent, and for that bowl of cholent, he gave away nitzchias. Is that crazy? You're giving away the greatest prize that you could possibly have. You have it, it's yours. You're the Bukhar, but you're hungry one day, you're tired, and therefore you say, give me that bowl of lentil soup, and I'll give you the Bukhar. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to us because we're thinking rational people who who do things in a, in a more thoughtful manner. But an Esav is not that way. An Esav is somebody who does things, he lives for the moment. And everything is instant gratification. If I could please myself now, I'm going to do it. But what about tomorrow? What about the consequences? What about the ramifications? I'm not thinking that far in advance. I do things now and they feel good, they feel right, I'm going to do it. That's what an Esav is. Esav is somebody that goes very fast, does things very quickly, and doesn't give things the thought that, uh, that, that, that Yaakov Inu does. Yaakov Inu is an Ishtam Yeshvam. He sits and he learns, and he's the person who had the dream about a Sulam Mutzav Arza. There was a ladder in his dream. You know what that represents? A ladder represents that I do things slowly. I climb, a ladder is not something that you jump over to the top rung. A ladder is you take things step by step. I'm not there yet. I want to take it one rung, and then another rung, and then another rung, and then eventually I'll get there. An Esav can't understand that. An Esav doesn't do things one step at a time. An Esav does everything. It's either now or never. I'm going to do something if I want to do it, and if I can't do it, I don't have the patience or the, the will to do things methodically. That's not what I do. But that's what Yaakovinu is. Yaakovinu does things step by step. If you look in the Mesul Sisharim, the entire state of Mesul Sisharim is built on the Sulam of Rapinchas Benyar, which means that there is many stages in order to attain the highest realms of Kedusha, of Yerushamayim, of Ruach HaKadosh, which is like the top peak of the Sulam, of the ladder of, of the Mesul Sisharim. But the entire table of contents, the entire structure of the Sefer is built on this brysa or pinchas benyar that you have Taira, and the Taira brings to Zahiras, which brings to Zrizas, which brings to Zahiras, which brings to um, Nikias, which brings to one level upon another level, to Chasidas, to Yerushamayim, to Rachakaydash. But we take things slowly. It's a process. I'm not jumping into anything. I take my time. You're not like me. I can't travel with you. I can't, I can't be around you because we're different inherently. I do things at my own pace. I do things properly. I think things through. I take my time and I have a, a journey. I have a goal. I have a mission and I do it 
step by step, slowly and properly. There's a great var from Ramesha Feinstein. He says that there is a, a chazal that the reason why the tcheles, the, the blue of our tzitzis, is uh, chosen as that, that's the color that was chosen, tcheles, it could have been other colors, is because the tcheles is daimeliyam. The tcheles has the same color as the sea. And the sea is the same color as the sky. The sea is really not blue. The sea is really clear. You take a cup of water out of the ocean, it's clear. But it's the reflection of the sky. And the sky is the reflection of the blue that's the Kisei HaKavid. Under the Kisei HaKavid, there is a special Vitachas HaKisei Libnas HaSapir. There's a special sapphire, blue sapphire stone under the Kisei HaKavid. And that's a reflection, that reflects into the sky. So Ramesha says, why do you have to do such a funny, you know, game of like one after another? After, why don't you find a color that's similar to the Kisak Ovid? If you want to think about the Kisak Ovid, so match it up directly with the Kisak Ovid. Why don't you say that, you know, here's a, a, a color and it's diamond. Why do you have to, yeah, because it's similar to the, the sea, which is similar to the sky, which is similar to Kisak Ovid. So he says that a yid operates this way. We don't jump to the Kisei HaKavid. If a person is looking to like be very from, the worst thing that you could tell him to do is, okay, you know, right away, shave your head, grow payas, move to B'nai Brak, and uh, that's the worst thing you could do. That's not the, it's not going to stay that way. It has to be done slowly. Today you do a little bit, you daven a little bit, and, and you keep a Shabbos, and then you, you know, if you want, you can add on to that a little learning, and then add, add on keeping kosher. If you do things too quickly, too rashly, that's not going to work. Kavina does step by step, methodically. First I'll worry about the Yam, and then I'll worry about the, the, the Rakia, and then I'll worry about the Kisei Kavit. but it has to be done in stages. Like the Sulam of Yaakovinu. It's slow. It's deliberate. It's not rash. Asab is doing everything rash, and Yaakov is doing things slow and properly. And let's go through some of the specifics that we can take from the words of Yaakov Avinu and how it applies to us. So the first thing he says is that in what way am I, am I more deliberate than you? L'regel ha Because I do my job and I do my job in a very, very slow, proper fashion. That's another way of understanding a difference between Yaakov and Esau. Many people in life, they take shortcuts in, in, in terms of their work. If you ever hire today, a, uh, I don't know what it was like 50 years ago, but if you do any work in, in your house, if you do construction, if you go to a store and you buy a, a product, you'll find very often that it's not well done. The products are not the same as they used to be today. You know, everything is very, made very cheap, made in you know, China or something, and it's junk, and it lasts a little bit. When I was growing up as a kid, you could mamish have like, certain things, and they lasted forever. Whether it was a toaster, or whether it was a, you know, a washing machine, or whether it was... Today, everything is very fancy, but it's junk. It just doesn't last. My parents' washing machine, I think they're still using the same washing machine, the same refrigerators they had for, for 45 years. And you get like a new one today, like with a fancy computer and with a, you know, with a front load and whatever, with a thing, you, you get to see it going around in front of you, and it breaks mamish every, every Monday and Thursday, you have to call the guy and have it repaired. It's cheaper to just get a new one. It's like, you know, $400 for the machine, it's $200 to have it repaired every time. But that's the way things are made. And when you have somebody come to the house to fix something or to paint something or to build something, it's not done well. Everything is done very schlocky today. Yaakov Avinu is different than that. Yaakov Avinu is not looking to cut corners. Yaakov Avinu has a work ethic and he does things the proper way. He doesn't cheat, he doesn't cut corners, he doesn't take shortcuts, he's not looking to, to, to come to work late and leave early and be on the phone and on the internet the whole time. He wants to make sure that whatever he does, he does right, he does properly, he does well. This is actually a Rambam. It's the Rambam at the end of Hilchas Chirus. The Rambam 
you know, very often at the end of his halachas, at the end of a, a series of his halachas, he gives like a little musr at the end sometimes. So listen to what he says, a fascinating thing. He says that schiros means you hire an employee, and there's different um, responsibilities, of course, that, uh, that a, um, the employer has to an employee. He has to pay him on time, he has to treat him fairly. But then there's also responsibilities that the employee has to his boss. And that's not always so thought about, because an employee generally thinks, listen, I'm underpaid, he's not paying me enough, and, and therefore I, I don't have to come on time and leave on time, because, you know, look, people in my industry could get paid so much more than me, so obviously he owes me, and that's the attitude that many people have. They, they, they basically don't give their all to their job, because they feel, they justify it, they rationalize it. So the Rambam says that if you're a seicher, if you're, if you're a, a schir, schir yaim, if you are employed by somebody, then you have an obligation to act with a certain set of standard conduct at work. And he says you can't take away from the boss's time. We know there's halachas about saying kriya shema during work. If you're, if you're being paid to, to work, you're not allowed to do certain things. You can't start, you know, you have to have rishas. Everybody today, you know, daven's mincha, you know, they make these mincha minyan. If, you're, if your boss allows you to do that, great. But maybe your boss doesn't allow you to do that. He's paying you to be there, on, to be there the whole day. You're allowed to, you know, in the middle of the day, you know, do whatever you want. It's not a free-for-all. People justify it, well, you know, I'm, I'm such a great employee that it's worth it for me. He's happy that I'm doing it. Maybe he is, but you might not be, it might not be so posh. You know, you have um, you know, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. What's Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday means that employees all go on their computer the whole Monday after Black Friday and they, they, they shop for, for Matthias on whose time? It's on their boss's time. That's what side money is. You basically have a whole world taking valuable time from the, the boss is paying them real money. We always think about we're the workers always. But let's say you were the boss. Imagine if you're the boss and you're actually paying employees a lot of money to be coming to work that day. I'm paying every employee under my, you know, I don't know, $100, $200, $300, $1,000, $1, I don't know what I'm paying. Like, but I don't, I'm not paying them to go shopping online the whole day. But yet the whole country is doing this. It's a, it's a name for it. So the Rambam says that you, cannot, you have to be very careful. When you're an employee of a, of a boss, you have a, a responsibility to give him your time. And not only to give him your time, but the Rambam continues to give him a full quality of workmanship. You can't be shoddy with your workmanship when you're working for somebody else. You're working for yourself, you want to, you know, you want to, you're building your own shtend, you want to make it, you know, subpar quality, but if you're working for somebody else, somebody's paying you to do a job, whatever that job may be, you have to give it your all. And he says, you know where we learn this from? You have to give all of your kayaf, all of your strength, all of your... Your, your, your mental prowess, your physical prowess, you have to give it all to your boss. Shara Yaakov HaTzadik. Very interesting Lashon the Ramam used. He doesn't say Yaakov Avinu. He says Yaakov HaTzadik. The only person that we know of as a Tzadik is Yaakov HaTzadik, I think, right? How many, we, you, you don't call people Avram HaTzadik, Yitzhak HaTzadik. Yeah. But Yaakov HaTzadik, the Ramam says, Shara Yaakov HaTzadik, Amar, Ki B'chalkeichi Abadeti Yasabichen. He tells his wives, you know, when they had that huddle after, as, a, as they're about to leave the house of Lavan, he says, I could tell you something very honestly. Ram, the, the, Yaakov was an Ish Emes, wasn't fudging, he wasn't lying. He says, I served your father with every last ounce of strength that I had. That wasn't hyperbole, he wasn't like just complaining and bragging, he meant it. For a very long time, for, for decades, he gave Lavan his all. Now, Lavan was probably the worst boss that you could have. He, Yaakovino had every justification to not work for Chol because he keeps swindling him Lavan every which way. He's trying to like undermine him, undercut him, you know, cheat him out of everything, make him you know, swap 
one, one wife instead of another wife, and then make him work for the other wife, also like crazy stuff. He has every reason in the world to say, this is ridiculous, I don't have to give him my all. But yet Yaakov, you know, is, I'm, I'm working for Laban, we have an agreement, I have to give him kal all of my strength. The Rambam says because he had that attitude, not only will he be rewarded in Elam Haba for that, but immediate, he, immediately in this world he also got tremendous He got very wealthy because he acted ethically and honestly, morally at work. Yaakov at Sadik. He he gave it his all. That's Yaakov. When I do work, I do it deliberately, I do it properly, I don't cut corners, I don't come, I don't come late, I don't leave early, I don't take a long lunch break, I don't make a dafyami share at work. I do what I'm supposed to. My boss is hiring me for a certain thing, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and this is what I do. If you're doing that, then you're in the camp of Yaakov Avinu. Rupam Zechitzadah was once asked by a Talmud who was about to go out to the workforce after learning in Kailo for many years. He says, how, how, what am I supposed to do there? Give me some advice how I'm supposed to act in the workforce. I, I understand how to be in yeshiva, but how am I going to be there? Sir Pam says, you'll be fine. As long as you stick to these three cardinal rules, you'll be fine. The first rule that Rapam gave him is that you have to come on time and leave on time. You don't come late and leave early. You have to be give it your entire amount of time. He says you have to be the hardest working person in the office. You're supposed to be giving it your all. You're, you're hired to do a job, do it and do it right and be diligent at work and, and do the job that you're supposed to be doing and do it well, then you'll be fine. And the third thing is you're supposed to be the friendliest person at work. The nicest person. Be nice. Be a nice person. We spoke about it in Avad this week, how you have to be careful. You have to be nice, but you can't be too nice. You have to be, I don't mean too nice, but you can't get too chummy with, with your co-workers because that's a very dangerous thing, but we don't have time to go into that right now. But that's basically what a person, what Yaakovinu does at work, you do things right. You do things with a proper way, the proper perspective. You're, and they know, the bosses know. And that's why Baruch Hashem, you know, Artel Midim, and, you know, they hire a lot of from people, these uh, accounting firms and law firms and, uh, and hospitals and, and corporations. They hire from people specifically because they, they know that not only are Jewish people smart and they're, they're well-educated, but that hopefully they act in an honest way. They're nice people, they're fine people, they're upstanding people, they're ethical people, and they're, they're not looking to cheat anybody, they're not looking to, to be a, a shoddy employee. They want to do their job and do it diligently and properly. That's Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, that's not to say that all Gayim are bad and they're horrible workers. And there are many Gayim that are amazing. I, I, there are many Gayim that really have this work ethic as well. Make no mistake about it. But we're talking about Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu, who are we? We're people that really give our job our all. We do things ethically and honestly, and we... That's Yaakov at Sadiq. It's a great maestro with Rav Shach. Rav Shach was uh, the Rashiva Panovich, of course, and he gave like shurim that you know, blew the entire world away. People went crazy for his shiurim and his aviezri is a classic safer and all. And he would, you know, every Friday, I think, they did a sponge in the base medrash. Which means that the Arabs basically came in, the, the um, you know, the janitors, and they, you know what it's like in Eretz Israel. They basically take, take water and they splash it all over the, the marble floors, the stone floors, and then they start doing a sponge. The problem is that it's very hard to do a sponge in a base medrash because you have a million shtenders. In the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, and yeshivas, some yeshivas in America, they have, you know, maybe a, you know, 500, 600 shtenders. It's not like a table, you could just move the chairs away and do it. It's like very annoying. You can't get to anywhere because you have all these shtenders. 
to Rav Shach used to bechvaydeh ba'atzmai after davening, I think on Friday morning, he would go and he would start putting the shtenders, even when he was well into his 80s, 90s, he would pick up the shtenders and put them on the benches so that the, the, the custodial staff could go and do a spandra easy. So a bacher came in and says, what's the Rashiva doing? Like, you know, no one else could do this. First of all, the custodial staff is probably paid to do this, but even if they're not doing it, or, or they're not doing it, but why, why is the Rashiva doing it? And Rav Shach used to say that I'm getting paid from the yeshiva. Why am I getting paid from the yeshiva? Because I'm giving shirim. That's basically what I'm doing as Rashiva. I mean, of course, he did so much more, but that's how he saw his role. His role is to give shirim. He says, how do I know that my shir, my taira, is really so watertight? That it's really, you know, emes amita, and that the shir is rock solid, and it's, maybe I'm, maybe I'm like sort of, uh, not earning my keep, as it were, which is a funny thing to say. Rav Shach was, you know, was his tires, tires, but like that's how he felt. He felt like I'm getting a salary, and I don't know if, if like I'm earning it fully because maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm cutting corners in terms of my lumbus, in terms of my the amount of time that I put into it, and so I want to be able to at least earn a fair salary and be able to know that the salary that I have, I can honestly say I earn. So I'm supplementing it, and I'm putting the shtenders up on the benches so that it should be considered, like if I'm not a Rashiva, at least let me be a, a janitor. That's what it means to be a Yaakov Avinu. It's, and I, I want to make sure, I'm, I'm, I'm petrified that I'm not giving it my all. Every person that has a conscience and that works for a boss should have these hinges of doubt. Am I really putting in my oil? Am I really doing an effective job? Am I doing exactly what I'm supposed to be? Am I using, you know, the photocopy machine too much and for other things? And, you know, am I, am I spending time on the, on the computer too much looking at the news and looking at, am I getting my job done? Is this really what the boss is expecting from me? Could I be doing more? Could I be doing better? A Yaakovino cares about that. An A-sub doesn't care. An A-sub is like, I'm getting my... I don't, they don't have a conscience for this because it's all what they can get away with. That's what the A-sub mentality is. Again, that doesn't mean that every guy has that mentality. Many guys are very ethical and very honest. But in terms of the black and white contrast between a Yaakov and an A-sub, that's the difference. The difference is, are you in the camp of people that care about these things, that have a conscience about these things, you take things slowly and deliberately and properly, or is it like, I don't care, I'm, I'm, I'm over, you know, I'm, I'm overqualified, underpaid, too bad on my boss, I hate my boss, I want to tell him, you know, if I, you know, it's not, this is not a good, I'm just waiting to get a better job, a different job, he doesn't deserve me. All of these things go through a lot of people's mind. That's not what a Yaakovino thinks. A Yaakovino, if you're employed here, you have to give it your all. You're not happy? Go to another job. But if you're getting a paycheck from this boss, this is what you have to do. There are other types of malachas that we do, besides for our actual vocation, and that's limanatayra. Limanatayra is another, tayrasayim nasay. There's also a job of limanatayra. When it comes to our learning, a Yaakovino also has this mentality that I have to do a li'iti. I work slowly and methodically. And that's a very big chiddush in our day and age. Because people of our, of your generation for sure, their minds are, are basically not able so easily to sit and to concentrate and to focus. They, we know that, you know, uh, uh, TV commercials, they used to be a minute long. Then they were 30 seconds long, and now it's like 15 seconds. Even that's way too long. A human brain cannot hold, you can't hold people's attention that long. They're like, they watch it, and they need instant gratification, and it's like, you know, unless you do something like crazy, you know, in the commercial right away, people are, you lost them already. And that's the way our, our generation is. That's why people don't really read, they don't read newspapers, they don't read books, they're not, they, they don't have the, they don't have the, the mental 
focus, the capacity anymore to concentrate and to, to go through something. So it means I have to sit. A, a book means it's a commitment. I have to like start and I have to read chapter by chapter. People don't do that. It's very rare to find people that actually, unless you have to get a test on it, but to, to have people that actually read, everything is today Instagram, it's all pictures, it's all you know, quotes, it's small, quick, you know, quick fixes, and that's, that's wisdom today, that's education today. So with that as a background, because that's ASO, that's something that quick, instant gratification right away, Isha Sada. The Chiddush of Yaakov Avinu is that he's the Ishtam Yeshavahalam. He sits and he actually spends time concentrating, focusing for hours and hours upon end to understand something, to understand a, a Gemara, to understand a Rashi, a Taisus, a Rishan, an Afrin, a Machlekes Rishanim, a Machlekes Afrinim, a Nukudas Machlekes, a Lamdis, a Halacha, a Mishnabura. How many people in the world at large can do that? How many people could do that? It's a very, it's, it's sort of bucking the trend. The fact that in 2019, we're able to have thousands of Tamidichachamim, thousands of Yeshua Bachram around the world, and, and hundreds of thousands of Balabatim that are working, and yet at the same time, they're doing Daf they're going to Shiram, they're doing Ahmad Yaimi, they're learning Mishnabura, they're... That's a chiddush. We don't. We we're surrounded by it, so we don't understand what a chiddush that is. But that's Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is vaniyas nalo iti I do things properly. I don't. I don't expect an instant payoff. It's slow. It's laborious. It's hard. It's difficult. It's technical. But yet people do it. It's amazing. You give people a sheet of marmachimus and they're able to go through one marmachim after another marmachim, understand it. A lot of it is Greek toss, it's new concepts, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. But yet people day in and day out wake up and do this. It's an amazing thing. It's not something that we should like, in any way take for granted. The Rabbi Yishlam for sure doesn't take it for granted. And we should appreciate what we're doing as well. It's not so simple. But this is our job, and so we try as hard as we can to focus and to do it step by step, not to jump. There's a famous vart from Magadol that people want to be a Talmud Chacham overnight. They want to be a Kivager overnight, and they want to get a good night's sleep that night. That same night that they want to be a Kivager in, they also want to get a good night's sleep, because that's we want to jump. I don't have patience to, like, every day, day in and day out, harav over a sugya and learn and chavrusas and rabbeim and chazara. It's a lot. But that's how you become a Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is saying, that's what makes me different. This is my job. And just like the physical job that he did by Lavan, he did it slowly, methodically, that's how he does his learning. He's not expecting an instant payoff. He's expecting every day, day by day, that's sulam. You grow, but you need patience. You need mesinos. You need to understand that it's not built in a day. And that I'm going to take my time and eventually I'm going to be a Tamar Chacham, but it takes time. There's a great letter from the stipler. The stipler writes to a Talmud, not his Talmud, but a, a Ben Taira who wrote to the stipler how depressed he was that he doesn't feel that he's gaining traction in learning. He's been in, Shir, in yeshiva for a long time, and his friends are all big lamdanim, they're writing svarim, and they're, they're you know, giving killer chaburas, and he's just like sort of like treading water. He doesn't feel like he's being matzliach, and it's very depressing. And he writes a letter to the stipler and, and begs him for some hadrachah. And the stipler says that you, you're under a mistake, you're making a mistake. You think that Hatzlacha is measured, you know, that every day you can Im immediately measure success. If you had a good day in learning, that's success. And if it seemed like a shmacha day, that's failure. He says that's wrong. He says every day that you're able to go to yeshiva and learn is Hatzlacha. He says every line of Gemara that you learn and you know, that's Hatzlacha. Every Rashi, even a little Rashi, Hatzlacha. Taisis, a two-line Taisis, Hatzlacha. 
every single thing that you're able to learn and understand and comprehend and chazer, and you put it in your pocket and you own it, it's tremendous haslacha. And he says, before you know, you'll look in the mirror and you'll find yourself looking back at a tamachacham. A tamachacham isn't somebody that Rav Shach wasn't created in one day, and Rav wasn't created in one day, and Yerabeim weren't created in one day. It takes a lot of time. But day in and day out, if you keep to it and you learn and you chazer and you, and you learn some more and you learn deeper and you learn better and more and broader and all of the things that you're supposed to be learning, you learn a little halach every day, you learn a little musa every day, you learn a little gemara every day, you learn bakiyas, you learn bian. And before you know it, it adds up to a lot. It's like you know, putting a penny every day into a, into, a, into a jar. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. It's a penny. But after a few years, you'll see like a whole, you know, a whole huge... I used to have a friend who had in his house like this huge glass um, bottle. But it was like the size of like a, a human being. It was huge. And like, you know, every day like they'd put pennies in it. And like after a long... after many years, this whole thing was filled up with pennies. There must have been, you know, maybe thousands of dollars worth of pennies in there. But it's a penny a day. It's not a big deal, but it adds up. And Lahavdil, that's what Taira is like. Taira is if you take it every day and you learn and you, you get a idea. If, if you would just get one idea a day and you'd retain it, you'd be a tremendous Tamachachim. If every day you would know, you know, take an index card and one, every day we learn a lot. Right, you go, you have the Marmachimus from the Shir Kvali and from your Rebbe Shirim and whatever. And, and a lot of it we forget. But if let's say every day we would take one Rubki Vager or we take one Rashba or one Ktsais uh, uh, and we would like write it on an index card and then just hazard that. And every day we pick up another idea, another idea, another idea. We know thousands of ideas. That's a Tamachachim. But we forget it all and we don't give it, we, we spend a lot of time, but we don't chazer and we don't retain it. And that's what's very depressing about learning sometimes. But a Yaakov Avinu would go and like a, like a steady worker who every day goes in and does his job well, if we do that in yeshiva, you, you'll, you'll be shocked to see the results. When you see Tamid Chacham, you think, well, you know, he was born today and he was, he, he's a self-made, that wasn't always the case. A lot of the Tamid Chum that you see started off very schwach, very slow, not, not, not the brightest you know, bulb in the room, and, but with, with effort and with a lot of diligence, with a lot of determination, they became great. That's how Yaakov Inu does Taira. Davening is also the same thing. Davening takes a dedication of time and, and kaya. We, we don't have the patience a lot of times because, again, we're part of this generation that's, you know, everything is instant. So we start getting antsy if, we, if the Shemana Esrei is too long, the Chazar Sashat starts, you know, a minute or two after I finish my own Shemana Esrei, you start getting very nervous. Davening is something that takes a lot of kaya. It takes a lot of concentration. It takes time. It take, you know, you have to carve out time. Shafras, Mincha, Mayrav, it's, it's a, a, a dedication of time and a lot of concentration. But Yaakov Inu does that. Yaakov Inu is the, is the Abayda of Tefillah. And that's, the, uh, that, that's also a very, very important thing uh, when, we're, um, when we're davening, to understand that it takes time and you have to have the patience and the, and the fortitude to get through it. And a lot of times we'll opt for a very quick minion. I'm the same way. You know, you want to go to find a quick minion, like one of these matzah minyanim, and 18 minutes from beginning to end, and that's the type of minion that we like. There are people in this world, in America, in the tri-state area, that actually enjoy davening a long davening. You go to a borough park, there's a, you know, the, um, the Amunas, uh, Amunas Yisrael. What? Amunas Yisrael. They daven a long davening. It's like a real davening. It's like they daven out loud. They daven geschmack, warm, long. It's a long davening. You go to Chaim Berlin on, uh, on, during Chalamayit Sukkot, and especially on, uh, 
on Hashanah Rabbah. Hashanah Rabbah, what do we look for on Hashanah Rabbah? I want an early minion that's going to basically be done with an hour and a half, no, no more than two hours. I, I don't have the patience for it. You go to Chaim Berlin, they have literally, it's a whole Abayda, they wake up early, and there's every Hashanah, every, every Hakafa could take 25, 30 minutes maybe, the Rashiva's there, and, like, and, and they're all in, no one's complaining. They go there because they want that. And then they do seven of these hakafas after a long shakras, after a long hollow. And then, and the night before they were, you know, they were in the sukkah together, you know, until the wee hours of the, of the night. It, it's an abayda. Do we have the patience for that or not? Do we have the ability to really have that anias iti? Am I doing it, you know, at a pace that, that the Rabbi Nishayim enjoys? Or are we doing it, let's get this over with? I'm not saying it's easy. I know that it's not. But this is the ideal. The ideal is that we should actually enjoy the experience of davening and not be, keep looking at our watch and like being impatient and like when is, you know, I can't take this. I'm going crazy. I, I'm, I, you know, I feel like I got to get out of here. To enjoy the process, to enjoy the experience, to take your time, to understand that you're, it's an Avedi Shebelev, that you're serving HaKadosh Baruch and you're communi- communicating with HaKadosh Baruch it takes time, it takes kayak, it takes concentration, but that's what Yaakov Avinu is. To do chesed takes time. Chesed is also a thing. It takes a lot of time to do chesed. You know, Hatzalah guys. I don't know, I, I, I'm Nispala over Hatzalah. And Chavim, all these guys, they, they basically give, you know, they, they pick somebody up, let's say, somebody's having you know, a heart attack. They take him, they pick him up, first they have to spend time in the, ha- in the house, wherever he is, they have to, you know, deal with whatever's going on there, they have to, you know, then put him in a gurney, schlep him out to the truck, to the, you know, to the ambulance, and then they put him on the ambulance, and then they have to take him to the hospital. You don't drop him off at the hospital and go home, or go back to work. At the hospital, they have to make sure that you know, all the paperwork is filled out, that they got the right doctor, and that the family is there. They have to make sure that everything, they don't just, it, it takes time, a lot of time. And it's not just on a Sunday afternoon when they're not doing anything. It might be on a, a Seder night, it might be Kol Nidre, it might be a, a Shabbos morning. It might, they have the same, they want to stay for the Kiddush also. They want to hear Kriya Satyra, they want to do their own stuff, but yet they give time. They, they take things slow, they do things deliberately. They invest in chesed. There's a great vart I just saw this week from the Kashmir Rebbe. His name was Rabbi Cheskel of Kashmir. And he once saw a gevir that was about to bake matzahs, and, a, and an ani comes over to this gevir on the cusp of baking matzahs, and the guy got very upset. This gevir says, don't you say I'm about to bake matzahs? I don't have time now to... You know, to, to, you know, I do this also. You know, you go to Kesser Tyro, and there's always somebody outside, unfortunately, collecting. Like, I'm going to miss Parcho. Like, maybe afterwards we'll talk. Like, right now i got to catch Parcho. So the Rebbe saw this, and, and he basically took, a, took note of it. And then when this chassid, this Gevir, is a chassid of his, came to, to his court in, in, um, in Kashmir for, for Shavuos, he basically pulled him over and he told him the following part. He says, you know, there's two times that it says the word ish in these parashiyas over here. One time it says, that there was the wrestling that we have in this week's parasha between Yaakov and an ish. We don't know who the ish is. It doesn't say. Rashi says that who is the ish? Sarah shal Esav. It was the Sarah of Esav. And then there's another ish Later in Bereshis, later in Sefer Bereshis, um, and that is that Yosef was looking for his brothers. He was lost a little bit, and the pasuk says, Somebody comes and Ish, a man comes over to Yosef and says, "What are you looking for?" He says, "I'm looking for my brothers. Oh, I'll, I'll take you there. I'll help you get them." Who's that Ish? So Rashi says, "This is the Malach Gavriel." Malach Gavriel. So the Kashmir Rebbe says, how do you know, how did Rashi know the difference between one ish and that? The same word ish. How come in one place it's Sarashal Esav, and the other place is the great Malach Gabriel? So he says, very Pasha. He says, you have to see the context of what's going on. 
when there's this wrestling match between the Sarashal Esau, between this Ish and Yaakovino. Yaakovino asked him for a bracha. Do me a favor, give me a bracha. He said, no, I gotta go. It's time to daven, I have to go. I'll sing Shira, Rashi says. It's my time, I never sang Shira yet. I have to go. I have to, I have to chap barku. I don't have time to help you because I'm, I'm, I'm on the run. I'm busy. I'm too busy to help you. That's Sarashal Esau. Esau doesn't take the time to help somebody. To do chesed with some, somebody, you're asking, somebody's asking you a favor, so respond. No, I'm too busy, I gotta daven, I gotta bake matzahs, I gotta do this and that. No, 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 HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to help somebody else before you say Baruch Hu, before you bake matzahs. Somebody needs you, you help them. But what do you mean, I'm gonna miss Kol Nidri, I'm gonna miss uh, my, sitting in my sukkah, you have all, you know, the matzahs and the... Okay, but this is what the Rabbi Yisham wants. Then when somebody, when Yisav is lost, he needs a favor, and this guy actually takes time to help him and says, I'm going to not only tell you where your brothers are, I'm going to help you, I'm going to score you there, I'm going to find them with you, I'm with you. That's not Sarashal Esav. That's Gavriel. That's a real Malach. That's, a, that, that's somebody that's a, an ideal type of person to follow. Chesed takes time, but that's what we're expected to do. That's Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu understands that everything that I'm doing takes time. Then, then Yaakovina continues, The children. Also takes time. You can't raise children without putting a lot of time into them. And this is something that, again, our generation, many of us. Because there's, it's so busy, our life, that our children very often are raising themselves. Every night, every single night, I'm telling you, you'll see when you get, a, when you get older, you have it a little bit, when you get older, when you're married, you have a family, and you're in part of a community, every night there's something. There's chasnas, there's bar mitzvahs, there's yeshiva dinners, I just said that I went to the Chaim Bulun dinner this week, um, there is uh, parlor meeting, meetings, there's PTA meetings, there's... Uh, Teas, there's, you know, shiurim that are, the wives go to, and every night there's things to do in spades, like a crazy amount of things to do every single night. And you want to do everything, right? You want to do these, these are good things. You, you want to go to shiurim, and you want to, you want to support your yeshiva, you want to, you want to go to PTA meetings, you want, but there are kids at home that need you. They need parents that are there. So oftentimes they come late home because they're working and you need to work today. Sorry, things are very expensive. That you can't blame a parent for. But when you're home, you should be home most of the time. Once in a while you want to go out, it's fine. But like, but on, the, on the whole, a child should know that my parents will be home with them, with me when I'm home. I need, to help, I need help with learning. I need help with homework. I want to some schmooze. I want to spend time with somebody. I don't want to be alone. But this is what this generation is. It's always putting other things as a priority over our children. Yaakov Vinu is saying, I take my time with my children. I give them my full attention when I'm talking to them. I'm not looking at my cell phone. I'm not trying to uh, get out of my responsibilities. I'm here for you. Rapinkas has a beautiful essay about this. He says that you know, a, a, a guy is a Tamachacham, he's a Balabasi, he wants to learn with his chavrus. His wife keeps muttering, you have to learn with Yankel, you know, our son. So he says, come on, I don't, you know, he's not on my level. Like, I, I don't enjoy learning. It's not geschmack. I, I don't want to learn with somebody that gives me, like, a, you know, run for my money. I don't want to learn, you know, Mishnaya's humor with my kid. It's, like, not, not interesting. He says, Rapinka says, but that's your mitzvah. He says, do you complain that, you know, I don't want to spend time davening or, or sitting in a sukkah or, 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 or eating matzahs? Those things take a lot of time also. You have to buy the, buy the, 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 the chetzah of the mitzvah and you have to eat it. And you have to, you have, those are, your mitzvah right now is spending time with your child. That's your mitzvah. Enjoy it. Savor it. Be happy that you have a child that you could do it with. But that's what a Yaakov, you know, an Esau, uh, let the kids raise themselves. You know, I got to go here, I got to go there, I, I want to I live for myself. So why would you have children? I don't know, I have, people told me to have children. I had children, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not Kishmach. Yaakov Vino creates a, a, an environment for their children in their home that 
children feel like they're important and they're relevant and they're, they're the number one priority in the home. That's Yaakov Avinu. Revolvi has a sefer, it's called Hazria Vabinyan Bechina. And what his basic premise is, like what the title says, I just basically, spoiler alert, I just gave the whole book away. But basically the point is that raising children is planting. You're not, it's not like, it's not like other things that you do, like, you know, you could buy, you could swipe a credit card and Amazon ships it to you. It's, it's a planting. What do you do when you plant a seed? You plant a seed, you got to first till the soil, you plant the seed, you get the right sunlight, you got, you got to water it, you got to fertilize it, you got to give it a lot of love, a lot of attention, and then maybe it'll grow up to be, to be something that's, that's good and that's fine and that's beautiful. That's what a child is. A child is not something that grows by itself. You need to invest in the child. You need to give love and, 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 and hug the child and kiss the child and, and be mishabeach the child when they do something right and when they do something wrong, tenderly try to tell them what they did wrong. It takes a lot of time and effort to raise a child. And sometimes, you know, it's overwhelming, in fact, because you realize the achrayas that's upon you and you never... There's no license that they give to, you know, you, can, you get a license to drive a car. You don't need a license to raise a child, but that's something you really need to know how to do. And, and unfortunately, very few people do. But going forward with our life, like when you get married and you have children, this is Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu takes time with his children. He raised the Shifteka. He was able to create a perfect family because he gave time. Esau can't walk in that direction. It's different. Esau and Yaakov are diametrically opposite in this regard, in the way that they raise their children versus the way we are, we're supposed to be raising our children. You know, the end of the Pasuk there says, We're going to meet in Seir. And Rashi points out that it's not really fully true because it didn't happen that way. Yaakov you know, never intended to meet Esav and Seir. He just didn't want Esav to be uh, waiting for him at an earlier point and ambushing him on the way. So he says, go to Seir, we'll meet there. They never met. But it wasn't a lie, says Rashi, because in the future, in the future, Yaakov you know, will come to Esair. As the Pasuk says, Mashim har Esav. That in the future, when Mashiach comes, the Mashiach, that's when we're going to deal with Esau again. We're going to judge him, and it's going to, we're going to have our comeuppance against Esau with, with all that they did to us. But I was thinking that this is also what we're talking about this morning. A yid doesn't live in the here and now. A yid, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a long life we're living in Mitzvah It's a long, our eyes are not on today. Our eyes are planting for the future. Whatever we're doing is Lassid Lavai, is Limaisa Mashiach, is Ailam Haba. We're not looking to this world as being a real world. If we look at this world as being the real world, so I have to hop as much, I have to stay as late as I can at work, I have to be as rich as possible, I want to you know, buy all the toys that money could buy, I want to live a certain lifestyle. That's Esau. Yaakovino doesn't have his eye on today. Yaakovino has an eye towards eternity. They're looking at Yemaisa Mashiach, Adashir Avay al Seira. And Sayer, that's where I'm heading to Sayer. You're, you're also heading to Sayer, but you're heading to Sayer today. I'm heading to Sayer, Lassid Lavay. Meaning that that's the, the carrot. The carrot for Yaakov Avinu is not today. If I'm thinking today, I can't learn, I can't dive because I'm impatient. I don't, I don't have the patience to raise kids properly and do anything properly. I'm also antsy, like everybody else in the world is. Technology has made my mind so small. But if you're looking at things in a in a in a in Dika perspective, then you could be a Yaakov. It, it's an amazing thing, and we'll end with this. You know, in a couple of weeks from now, there's going to be a, a huge uh, celebration of the Siemashas. And the Siemashas, you know, I know that. You know, in yeshiva, Tafyami is maybe looked down upon. It's not yeshivish, and it's not it's not the right way of learning, and it's too fast, and you don't know anything. It's just, but 
let's think about it just for one second in a different way. If let's say you would tell Esav and Esav's Hebra, I want you to learn one page a day for an hour, or uh, 45 minutes to an hour a day of an ancient text, a legal text that's like very complicated and very complex and, and you know, every day. So, okay, I'll, I, I could do that. How many days is this? Okay, it's, it's 2,711 days. It's seven and a half years, day in and day out, rain, sun, snow, shine, everything. Whether you're sick, whether you're healthy, Roshani, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Tisha you're, you're responsible every day to have a, an hour's worth of class in an ancient text, whatever the text may be. Okay, how much do I get paid for it? No, 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 you don't, you don't get paid. In fact, it costs you money. You have to buy the, the text. Have to buy the the gemaras. You gotta you gotta you know coffee and danishes and siumim and and you know I, there's there's it, it costs you money. Uh, okay, so what what do I get out of it? You you get nothing out of it. There's nothing in this world that you get out of it. How many people would be able to do it? I, I want to know how many people how many people would would actually sign up for that? I say zero. I say zero. I don't think you'd find one B'nai Esav that would be willing in any which way to even consider it remotely. It's ridiculous. And yet we have, in this world, I don't know a number, I don't know if anyone has numbers, but I don't know, 20,000, 30,000, maybe more, Yidin that are doing this day in and day out for seven and a half years, many cycles, many of them. Is that not an amazing thing? Is that not Yaakov Avinu? Because our eyes are not on today. Today it's a ridiculous thing to do. It makes zero sense. I'm not getting paid. I have to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I have to, you know, it, it, it's so hard. It's so hard. What, what, for what? For who? You're not helping your wife put the kids on the bus. You're not helping, you know, at night you come home after a long day of work, you run to the base matter. It's, 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 it's an act of insanity in an ace of dick away. If you're looking at it from aces, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't think any of the reporters that are going to be reporting about the CM for the New York Times or for all these newspapers that are not Jewish, I don't think they understand even what they're reporting. They'll write it down about Tal Talmud or whatever. I remember every CM, there's always articles in all these papers. They don't know what they're talking about. They so miss the whole point. Because from an ASOS perspective, it, it makes zero rational sense to do this. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what you're doing. It's only because we have an eye on the Rabbeinu Shalom, on Akhir Sayyam, on Ayon Hab, on Skar, on raising our families with a Tyrodika perspective, which... which Dafyami definitely does and makes us more tyrannic and makes us anchored to the to the daf. I remember the days when I was a kid. There wasn't Dafyami always existed since you know nineteen uh, 1920s, but but the uh, but in terms of the popularity of Dafyami was very unpopular. At least where I was growing up, I don't think anyone was learning Dafyami when I was a kid. It became like over time, it became like this this tidal wave of of popularity lately. But in the olden days, when I was growing up, people very rarely, there was like a few Balabatim that would learn Gemara once or twice a week. It was very, everyone else, if they learned at all, they learned maybe Kitzvah Shachanarach a little bit between Mincha Meirev. It was not what it was today. And that's why the homes were not as heretic as they are today. Because Dafyaimi, if you see a father, a husband, a, a, a child that's dedicated every single day to learning Gemara, there's, it, it, it creates a, an Avira in the home that is different. Say whatever you want about Dafyami, but it changed the complexion of Kal Yisrael. And this is what Yaakov Avinu is basically telling us, his children, that this is what we are. We're people that take things slow. We do things right. Our work ethic is solid. Our Torah is solid. Our Chesed is solid. Our davening is solid. Whatever we do, we're not looking for the instant payoff. We know that things take time. And with time and with patience, 
And with dedication, with devotion, great things are in store for us. But we're not rash people. We're not Isaiah. We don't shoot and kill and, and, and act in a, in a violent, quick, rash way. We do things properly. And with that, we are walking Kiddush Hashem. This is what Yaakov Inu is. This is, our, this is our mission in life. This is our mandate in life. This is what we take from Parshas Vayishlach. The differences between Yaakov and Esav, and they are very, very substantial differences. Even in our day and age where things start getting very, very blurred because of all the technology that are in our pocket, in our, in our homes, in our lives, but, and the culture is very often mixed together and we're into the same things, and that all may be true. But these things that we're talking about today, the, the modus operandi of a yid, how we look at things, how we, how we live our lives with a, with a patience and with, a, with, a, with determination for a set goal that might be a, an eternal goal, it is an eternal goal, that will always separate the proper Yaakov from Esau. Have a good channel.